Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. This is Market View. I'm Michelle Martin. Joining me as we break down all the market action. Good morning, Ryan Huang. Good morning, Michelle. How's the day been going so far? Oh, so far so good. It's a Thursday, so one day closer to the weekend. So I'm looking forward to that. How about you? Yeah, you just reminded me that, you know, a big concert's happening here in Singapore. Fantastic. And then we were both commiserating that we still don't have our Taylor Swift tickets. (laughs) Yeah, maybe someone out there who wants Michelle Martin as your plus one, she is available for the Taylor Swift concert. (laughs) Actually, I was hoping you could give me two tickets so I could bring my own plus one. plus two. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So putting it out there. Well, Coldplay fans had to endure a cold day because it's oh. raining big time last night. So I'm sure they're hoping for better weather for the rest of the week because it's going to be Coldplay for the entire well week or so. And fingers crossed. Coldplay playing in the cold had to happen here in Singapore. All right. It is eight minutes past nine and we are knee deep this morning in corporate earnings with results from the world's most watched electric vehicle company, as well as two companies that make devices. One produces a machine that is essential to manufacture advanced semiconductor chips and the other makes pacemakers and other life-saving medical devices. Our three companies in focus this morning are Tesla, ASML, and Abbott Labs. I'm going to start with Tesla, which grossed a little more than 25 billion US dollars during the third quarter of the year. That's about 3% higher than a year earlier. How does this compare with expectations, Ryan? Yeah, let's unpack the numbers. And you have Tesla reporting earnings of 71 cents a share in the fourth quarter. That misses the 73 cents based on consensus forecast. And if you look at revenue, that came in at $25.2 billion, less than the $25.9 billion predicted by Wall Street. So it did disappoint on that front. So a couple of things weighing on Tesla's numbers. One is how, even though revenue grew, profits did not really grow that much because it had to throw discounts to the crowds. People are expecting lower price EVs. So average selling prices have been reduced. There's been a bit of a price war going on with the EV space. So Tesla under pressure on that front. And to some extent as well, if you keep discounting your cars, people will just say, hey, I'll just wait for the next discount. And they'll put off buying these Teslas or whatever cars you have out there. So it's a bit of a potential spiral there to watch out for. One bright spot in Tesla's business has to be its energy division that sells solar energy and storage systems. Now, while this is smaller than Tesla's core business, its energy unit grossed more than $6 billion US dollars last year, which is more than 50% higher compared to the year earlier. So if we look ahead to 2024, what are Tesla's projections for this year? Yeah, so it's not looking too rosy. And I think it's partly due due to the fact that they've been having to reduce some of their prices already. And now they're bracing for lower growth when it comes to some of the sales they're expecting this year. Mm. And this tries to come up with new models to launch in the market. And what's being put on the table now is what's being dubbed the low-cost car. So not too long ago, you might remember Elon Musk saying, hey, we want to go mainstream and we want to get a car into everyone's hands as a Tesla that they can afford. And this was at a price tag of around $25,000. Guess what? Mm -hmm. It it has not happened yet. 
Maybe it might happen down the road, but it is quite typical of Elon Musk to say something ambitious. Sometimes he achieves it. Sometimes it takes a bit longer. Sometimes it does not happen. So you've got to figure out which part of the equation this falls into. So maybe it might come and it might help to get more market share, but he's under pressure on many fronts. So it's going to be a surprise, I think, for many people if he does pull this off. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, he did say we, we're looking to something like quarter million cyber trucks a year without actually giving a timeline. Investors and Tesla fans, though, have been hoping that the company's next generation car would be ready sooner. And there's been some speculation that Tesla is working on a mass market EV that could sell for as low as 25,000 US dollars. We step back. What is this? The largest takeaway, I think, that we can walk away from this earnings call with. Yeah, so I suppose it's the expectations that you know, it's going to be a tough year for EVs. And it's not just Tesla, it's every other EV maker out there. The incumbents are coming up with their own EVs. You've got the Chinese car makers also with new EVs. Mm-hmm. They are really stepping up the game, trying to get market share. So prices are likely to come down. So this is likely to put more pressure on not just Tesla, but possibly other EV makers as well. So It's going to be a tough one for EV makers to navigate in the coming year. And I suppose price wars, which will be good news for folks like us who are looking for a car. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. It is a tough environment to navigate for EVs. Tesla shares trading down more than 5% in after-hours action. The stock has dropped 20% over the past month. Let's turn now to ASML. They are a Dutch company that, in its own words, provides chip makers with everything they need to mass-produce patterns on silicon. ASML's jumped 30% last year. It netted more than 2 billion euros, which, by the way, is better than expected. So what is driving ASML's business? Yeah, so like you've pretty much outlined, it makes the machines that are needed to make chips. So you need these machines if you want the most advanced chips, at least to make them. And these chips are in demand. So I guess by proxy, you've got the machines that are needed in demand as well. So ASML really seeing quite a bit of a lift on that front. And if you look at the numbers, it made about 7.2 billion euros worth of sales in the fourth quarter. So net income coming in at 2 billion euros. That beats expectations. It's audible also at a record. And this is also beating expectations when you had actually analysts expecting that they might see a drop of 45%, but it's going the other way. So rosy times for ASML. Rosy times ahead indeed. So demand for cutting-edge lithograph machines, those are the devices used to print the most intricate layers, you know, on a semiconductor chip. Demand for those has been particularly strong. However, despite ASML's solid 2023 results, the company is warning of a slowdown in 2024. Why is that? Yeah, it comes down to sentiment, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And this is where they are saying in their commentary that their customers are still not certain about the shape of the semiconductor market. On one hand, it does look encouraging that things are starting to turn around on some fronts. Uh-huh. Demand is starting to come back in some markets. But they are still seeing uncertainty. That means customers are not really 
that confident, not really ordering as much as they used to. So this is something to be watching. Even though the fourth quarter did see a bit of a pickup when it came to orders, they're not clear yet if it's going to be a trend or sustainable momentum. Uh, another part about the impact they're watching out for is what's playing out with China, where we've seen the US slapping restrictions on stuff that can be sold to China, the advanced stuff. And ASML is pretty much restricted from selling some of the advanced machines to China. And this could affect about 10 to 15% of its China sales. And if you look at the fourth quarter of 2023, China sales made up about 40% of its sales. So mm. that has, well, quite a bit of impact if you take it to the worst possible extent. Investors are putting aside any concerns of a slowdown, though. They bid up ASML shares 7% in European trade yesterday, nearly 9% in US trade overnight. Our third company in focus this morning is Abbott Laboratories. Now, during the pandemic, it made a lot of money selling COVID test kits. That business is contracting, but Abbott Labs is hardly suffering. Its fourth quarter profits jumped more than 50% from a year earlier to nearly 1.6 billion US dollars. What do you make of Abbott Labs' numbers? Yeah, Abbott makes a lot of stuff. You have to put it out there. And the other stuff yeah. is offsetting some of the drop in COVID stuff. Anyways, uh, looking into the brighter spots, you've got the medical devices and nutrition segments. Pretty much the bright spots here. And this is seeing the company report fourth quarter net income of $1.59 billion or $0.91 cents per share. That's way above the earlier consensus forecast of $1.03 billion or $0.59 cents per share. So it is seeing quite a bit of beat on the upside when it comes to the earnings report card. And a couple of things that seem to be also helping to lift the outlook for Abbott is pacemakers, stand systems and other products which are growing. So medical sales devices are growing 17.5% in the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. Despite Abbott Labs' solid numbers, though, investors sold off on the news. The company's shares closed down nearly 3% overnight. They are still up more than 18%, though, over the past three months. Let's turn to China now. Yesterday, we talked about how rumours of new government stimulus fueled a rally in Hong Kong shares on Tuesday. Well, it turns out China's actually taking measures to stimulate the markets, but not in the way that markets were expecting, at least not Yet. Tell us more. Yeah, so just to wind back the clock, we were talking about how there was a bit of a package worth over $200 billion that might be unleashed in the form of support or at least money's being channeled to state-owned enterprises offshore that they can use to buy stocks onshore in Hong Kong to prop up stock prices. And that has a potential effect of making the mood at least, uh, retail investors feeling more confident about the economy, they've got more money in the bank, hey, then I'll go buy a new car or something along those lines. So that was the idea there and that was the report. But that did not come to pass, at least not yet. What we have now is a triple R cut where the banks are required to hold less money, less buffers so that they can lend more. So the idea is there, encourage lending to spur parts of the economy a few question marks will, of course, be on the table. How many people will want to borrow in the current environment? Do they feel confident about the economy? So that's one question. Now, the other part about it is it's an advanced 
or advance um, notice of a RRR card. Normally, when it happens, it's just happening on the same day itself. Now, it's going to be happening in two weeks' time. So they are telegraphing what they are doing for policy measures for these rates, which is a bit of a change from before. So that's uh, what's I'm that's what's interesting this time around. It is unusual. PBOC governor announcing this new policy, which should free up cash for banks to make more loans. The announcement was made at a media briefing, which in itself is pretty unusual. Typically, the PBOC does not provide advance notice of such moves. Analysts say that the additional transparency is a sign that Chinese officials realize that more needs to be done to halt this route in Chinese equity. So what do you think? Will this reserve ratio cut really move the needle for investors? What are some analysts saying? Yeah, there is um, some optimism because this leads up to the Lunar New Year holiday coming up. So that could be a way of just raising confidence ahead of the holidays. Um, of course, it's going to be a two-week stretch of, of um, waiting before the cuts get into effect, then that also brings the question why two weeks or what could happen in two weeks. And some are speculating that this leaves the central bank some wiggle room to change their mind, turn around or change the scope or magnitude of the rate cut. So it is uh, interesting to see them taking a new way of approaching these triple R cuts. So Maybe they could change their mind if things turn around on some measure. Maybe the markets will bounce and then they say, hey, okay, maybe you don't need it after all. All right, let's take an overview of markets. Now, the Hang Seng Index finished up 3.5% yesterday. Meanwhile, in the US, overnight stocks finished mixed. The S&P 500 inched higher into record territory for the fourth straight session. The Nasdaq chalked up a solid 0.4% gain, but the Dow finished lower. It's worth pointing out that Microsoft briefly hit a 3 trillion US dollar valuation overnight and that Meta's market value has topped 1 trillion for the first time since 2021. And that brings us to our daily game up or down first up let's look at the indian fintech firm paytm all right paytm is going to be a down for me because someone is selling a paytm shares and this is softbank offloading an additional two percent stake so it reduces its holdings there to 5.06 percent so it is already one of its largest shareholders but not that large anymore um so a bit of a i suppose Vote of confidence or question must be asked at least why it's selling right now. So mm-hmm. a down for me. PTM is owned by 197 Communications. Its share price has actually risen nearly 20% over the past month, but it is still down 18% since the end of October. Next up, let's look at the German software company SAP. Hmm, I'm going down here. And this is because it's got layoffs involved, yeah. or at least the potential to restructure 8,000 employees. 8,000, that's quite a bit. So it's talking about restructuring the company in some form because of AI. Quite a familiar tune. It's focusing more on artificial intelligence. It's going to affect many employees. So they've got to readjust job scopes, maybe find new jobs, find new people, and also try to trim costs. So bit of a shake-up for SAP. SAP is restructuring its business, a move that led it to cut 8,000 jobs. Some workers will be retrenched, others will be moved into new positions. Doesn't sound great for employees, but investors like the sound of it. SAP shares closed up nearly 7% yesterday. Let's look at Hewlett-Packard Enterprise. Yeah, HPE is a down for me. So this comes with how they've revealed that they've been hacked 
by what's been described as a Russian state actor. So apparently this happened back in December, affected a small number of HPE mailboxes belonging to individuals in their cybersecurity, go-to-market teams, other business functions as well. So it's starting to raise a few question marks about their cybersecurity protection and mm-hmm. also the impact it might have on the wider business. Something that they will be looking at very closely and they are suspecting a group described as Midnight Blizzard. And that's the same Russian group that breached Microsoft's email systems. HPE says the mailboxes uh, that were hit by the hackers belong to its employees in the cybersecurity division, irony of ironies, and other units were affected as well. So definitely a down for HPE in my book as well. Let's look at Boeing. Mixed news for Boeing this morning. Huh, mixed news, but I'm going down. Hmm. So this is with the Boeing 737 production. Well, US authorities are saying, hey, you s- maybe time to hit the brakes on that. So they are not allowing Boeing to expand production in the wake of all the drama we saw with the mid-air emergency by Air Alaska or Alaska Airlines, that hole in the side of the plane. Well, they are saying, hey, maybe it's time to hit the pause button and take a closer look. We've heard how boats have been coming off, bits and pieces here and there. So they want to take a closer look. But the good news, I suppose, Mm -hmm. is that the MAX 9 model that was involved in that Alaska Airlines incident, could return to service after inspections. So new planes are halted in terms of being produced, but those that seem to be still in service Mm -hmm. can still be in service. And so on the one hand, um, Boeing has also delivered its first plane to China in several years. On the other hand, though, U.S. regulators have told Boeing it cannot expand production of the 737 MAX until safety issues are sorted out. And speaking of safety, did you know that your namesake, Ryanair, found a wrench underneath the plane floor while it was doing safety checks? Well, I'm glad they found it. What? I just wrap my head around it. A Boeing employee engineer had apparently forgotten it, left his wrench in the plane. That is almost like leaving your surgical knife after an operation in in someone's stomach. Oh, gosh, imagine that. Definitely a down for Boeing. All right, let's look at Suntech REIT. All right, this is a down for me. Suntech REIT is saying its second half DPU is down 10.2% because of higher property expenses and lower interest income. Quite a familiar tune when it comes to REITs in recent months. Those higher financing costs, interest rates have been eating into the REIT's profitability. So not a surprise, I suppose. Suntech REIT is looking to sell off its strata units this year and it expects to raise $100 million, which builds on another $100 million that it raised last year. The sales are expected to improve Suntech REIT's earnings. So I'm going to give it an up. Our last word today belongs to Richie Rich. Do you remember that comic book character, people? He was uh, known as, quote, poor little rich boy. Well, one of his comics is sold for more than $100,000 US. More expected to be auctioned off soon. Uh, are you a comic fan? I am, but I don't recall reading Richie Rich. I think I didn't get my hands on it last time. I was Did more you? An Archie Comics kind of girl. Yeah, mine is more Archie, Hardy Boys, Tintin. Um, so not really Richie Rich, but I suppose out there, there are fans who are willing to pay big time for a piece of nostalgia. Yeah, for sure. I mean, do you 
Do you have a collectible at home or? A I used book? to collect stamps, oh, but now I can't find the stamp album anymore. So it's, it's somewhere problem. out there. Maybe it's worth millions. Oh, hidden millions in Ryan's home. Do you collect anything, Michelle? Uh, I have a first edition copy of a JD Salinger. How much uh, is that worth? Catcher now? in the Rye. Ah, uh, last I checked, about five figures. Not too bad, not too bad. Mm -hmm. But it was given to me as a gift. Ah, all right, priceless. So I like looking at how the prices moves up over the years, but I'll probably never sell it. Yeah, so if you've got stuff in your home, maybe do a bit of unpacking or sorting out, and maybe you'll find some treasure in your storeroom. Yeah, trash to treasure. By the way, a Calvin and Hobbes comic strip sold last year for 480000 US dollars. To be fair, this one was a hand-painted original. However, some of Calvin and Hobbes' black and white strips have sold for nearly 175000 wow. US dollars. The strip shows Calvin wearing dark sunglasses, trying to look cool. Nice. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks so much, Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. By the way, thank you to all of you. We are having a, an investment a, um, program that is going to be happening next Tuesday. I'm going to meet many of you as we discover 2024's hottest investment sectors. Uh, I'll be with my friends at Infinity Financial Advisory. I understand 200 of you have already signed up. Fantastic. But keep the signups coming through. You know, it's sometimes hard to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and you need to listen to um, the experts in the know. So we're going to find out what some of the red-hot investment sectors could be for 2024. And uh, you can find out more. Just head on to Infinity FA or also my uh, Facebook. Yes. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.